1: Bills fans on their feet, making noise on this third down, Howell. And it's intercepted! What a play! Epinesa is going to go! First career interception for A.J. Epinesa, and it's a pick six! That was the fourth and final interception for Sam Howell on a day that he and everybody else would like to to forget but we can't we saw it just like we saw last week as well which makes the conversation about sam howell very interesting 37 to 3 an absolute one-sided beatdown. i picked washington to win the game on friday I don't do that uh, in terms of especially when they are an underdog and a sizable underdog. I remember doing it a few years ago when they played Green Bay at home in week three. Actually, it was the 2018 season with Alex Smith, and I was right about that one. And I think actually on some of these upset picks when I picked it on Friday, I think I've actually been right more than I've been wrong, Um, or maybe it's split. But I was allowed wrong when I said Washington would beat Buffalo 24-17 to 17 on Friday. Uh, that was disturbing, to say the least. Uh, a lot coming up here on the show, including, once again, my expectation is we will have Fred Smoot on the show. And my expectation is, on Wednesday, Cooley will have a film breakdown. Uh it was such a great film breakdown of Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy last week after the Denver game. I would imagine it would be quite different this coming Wednesday. This show is brought to you by our good friends at Window Nation. Call them at 866-90 Nation or go to windownation.com. Mention my name, you'll get a free estimate. You've got nothing to lose if you've been thinking about new windows. Get them now before we get into what is forecasted to be a colder than normal winter. You'll save big on your energy bills. 86690 Nation, WindowNation.com. Mention my name, Kevin Sheehan. More on their current deal coming up on the show a little bit later on. Okay, so um, there's so many ways to kind of start the conversation about the game yesterday, but I think the big takeaway before I get to my game take is just how god-awful Sam Howell was. That was an alarming performance. It was one of the worst starting quarterback performances we have seen, not here, but in the league in many, many years. Uh, More on that coming up shortly. Uh, I want to read um, an email that I got from Evan. Evan wrote, Kevin, whatever you do, please do not call for Jacoby Brissett on Monday. Sam had one bad day. He deserves a chance to show he can bounce back. Um, That was from Evan. Uh, I want to discuss Evan's email because um, it's another one of those that just is a bit irritating and obnoxious. Uh, for starters, you know, deserve deserves what? I mean, why would he deserve anything? you got to earn the right. I actually think he has earned the right. I think he's played pretty well at times here in the first uh, two games, anyway, coming in. But Evan, you know what you're doing here. You knew that I wasn't going to come in here and call for Jacoby Brissett after one bad Sam Howell game, you know, uh, you are doing what guys like you have been doing for a while now. You know, you're doing this thing where where you browbeat anybody that doesn't agree with you, which you've done, Evan, as you've essentially, you know, uh, made the claim that Sam Howell is the franchise quarterback. And why can't you see that? Um, and then when he has a game like he did yesterday, you kind of stay on the offensive and you, uh, you, you basically go after somebody for, uh, overreacting when they haven't even overreacted yet, <laughs> because I'm not about to overreact. And you know, that you knew that I wasn't going to come in here and call for Jacoby Brissett, uh, You knew when you sent that email that that wasn't going to happen. Um, But anyway, it's kind of your move, you know, diverting the attention from the fact that this isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be as easy as you thought it would be. He's not Joe Montana. He's not Patrick Mahomes. You know, you thought it was going to be super easy with Wentz, and why couldn't we see that? You thought all along, okay, Taylor is clearly the guy. You were wrong. Just stop. And people like you stop. We need to just take a deep breath now. I know I've gone down this route a couple of times because it's just obnoxious and tiring. Take a deep breath and say to yourself, it's okay that I don't know. We don't know. We haven't known, and we don't know yet. There are some of you that said after last week, finally, we've got our franchise quarterback. Relax. Those of you saying now, hey, this guy's horrendous, I tried to tell you. Relax. As bad as yesterday was, it was not the answer key on Sam Howell isn't the guy. Just like last week in Denver was not the answer key that Sam Howell was the guy. Some of you were convinced after the Dallas game last year. Some of you, bless your hearts, were convinced after, the, convinced after the Baltimore preseason game. You know, you had seen all you needed to see. No, no, we need to see so much more. Nobody's seen enough of Sam Howell to know anything at this point for sure. He might be the answer. He also might not be. You know, here's the thing though, after three games, if it was clear that he didn't have any ability at all, it might be a little bit closer to that point where you say, yeah, I don't see anything. But last week we saw a lot, saw a lot at times in the Arizona game. It wasn't a great game. But he has shown the ability. Now what we need to see is we need to see the process of whether or not that ability can turn into starting NFL caliber quarterbacking. From my seat as I see it today, that process should continue. Evan, I'm not calling for Jacoby Brissett after yesterday, and you knew I wouldn't. It's really hard to find a quarterback in the NFL. It's not as easy as some of you think. Some of you really wanted to declare him, you know, the guy after the Dallas game last year, after the preseason, after the first couple of games this year, instead of understanding, as some of us have been talking about all offseason long, it's an inexperienced quarterback. This is not going to be a rocket ship to the moon. This is going to be a roller coaster ride. In a best case, really, um, the overwhelming majority of guys that get a chance like Sam's getting don't make it. I'm not even talking about his draft status. The guys with the most perceived talent and the loftiest of draft status, most of them don't make it. It's the hardest position in sports to play and it's the hardest position in sports to find someone who can play. Nobody has it figured out yet on Sam. And if you think you do have it figured out, you're wrong. Because they don't even have it figured out. The coaches, the general managers, all of them. None of them know and they're with him every day. I just... The weekly declarations of how much you think you know about Sam Howe and get on board or get out this 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 constant drumbeat of you're wrong and we're right. Like if you're not on board with Carson Wentz, if you're not on board with Taylor Heineke, if you're not on board with Sam Howe, get out. It's obnoxious. It's tiresome, it's exhausting. You know, we don't know, and it's okay to say we don't know. And by the way, on the flip side, for those of you that have said at times, I know he's John Beck, he's Taylor Heineke. He's not the answer. You need to stop too. Now, I have found that it's the people that are the believers more than the non-believers who are the most obnoxious, my personal experience. It's okay to say, you don't know. It's totally reasonable to accept those who say after three starts I don't know. That's the reasonable position to have right now. His game yesterday was atrocious. It was. You know? It was Patrick Ramsey-esque. Ramsey had a game early in his career. Seven sacks four picks. But we know that Spurrier had no desire to protect him and didn't know how to do it at the pro level. I mentioned a couple of examples this morning um, of just, you know, a lot of you know these. Peyton Manning started off his career 11 picks, 11 sacks in his first four games. Okay, Uh, if you're looking for something slightly more realistic in terms of comps, and maybe this next one isn't, Daniel Jones, some of you actually have said Maybe he can become Daniel Jones. Well, he's not six foot five. So let's just remember that. Uh, and he's not nearly as athletic or fast. He's athletic, though. He is. But Daniel Jones had an eight sack, three turnover game in his, I think it was his fifth start as a rookie. He's turned into a bona fide NFL starting quarterback. You can debate how good of a starting quarterback he is, but he's a starter in the league who played very well last year and has been paid. Sam, Ayling, Sam Aylinger on the flip side, last year, remember, we faced him in Indy and barely eked out a 17-16 to 16 win. Ailinger last year, in his second year, uh, you know, a late day three quarterback, similar to Sam, had an eight-sack, two-turnover game, and now he's a third stringer in his third season. You know, sitting behind Minshew and Richardson, Colts beat the uh, Ravens yesterday. What a day that was yesterday. More on that coming up in the final segment of the show. Um, But the point is, maybe he's headed to Daniel Jones after a terrible game like yesterday, or maybe he's headed to Sam Ehlinger. We don't know where this is going. You know who had a four-pick game early in his career for this franchise? I already mentioned Patrick Ramsey's seven-sack, four-pick game. My guy, Kirk. You know who? Can't say his name. Kirk, back in 2014, he threw for four 27-3 touchdowns against the Eagles. And then in the next game, one of his first starts, now he had started some games at the end of 2013, but in one of his first few starts with Jay Gruden, uh, on a Thursday night, he threw four interceptions in a 45-14 loss to the Giants. It was a blowout loss. It was hideous. And we know what he's turned out to be. Uh, that was a bad ending to their game yesterday, but we'll get to that when we go around the NFL. Sam had a great game last week. He had an awful game yesterday. This is what unproven, inexperienced quarterbacks typically live through if they get the chance to play at all. You know, except for Patrick Mahomes and a few others, it takes time, it's a roller coaster ride. Uh, I would make a recommendation to everybody. Take it for what it's worth, okay? I'm not lecturing here. I'm not telling you to jump on board or get out. I'm just recommending, let's just give it some time. Doesn't mean we can't have conversations about these games week in and week out. That's fun. I love doing that. But with respect to big picture with, with Sam, let's give it some time. We don't need to know today. You know, Dan's gone. That's the thing that will carry us through this season. Even on a day like yesterday where Buffalo Bills fans took over the stadium and they got beat 37-3, to and it felt like it used to feel. Look, at least we've gotten experience with days like yesterday. And hopefully they will be fewer and fewer to come in the future now that Dan is gone. That's the big win. That's what we really needed this year and beyond this year. Of course it would be nice to find out sooner rather than later that we have a franchise quarterback to add to the good news that Dan is gone. But you're going to have to give that some time, you know. Uh, And when I say time, um, I'm not talking about forever. You know my position before the season started. There's no way I was going into 2023 thinking that Sam Howe was going to get 17 games. Nor would I have been in favor of that. But it's a little bit different after what I've seen the first three weeks. He was really good last week in Denver. We all saw that. Now maybe we learned something about Denver's defense yesterday giving up 70 but it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo put up 35 in week one for the Raiders against Denver. You know I guess if he didn't play the way he played last week against the Broncos I'd I'd be a little less patient, my perspective would be a little bit different because the Arizona game wasn't great, but it wasn't yesterday. But the Denver game was great. He put up 300 yards and 35 points, okay? He made some next level throws. He was impressive last week. So, um there's been enough good to let this play out for a bit. Again, I think most of us tried to tell some of you this is not the answer yet. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. And that's the way it's played out in the first three weeks. There's been some good and some bad. There's been some really good and there's been some really bad. I think we just have to give it some time. Um, now, uh, another day or two like yesterday, patience will be tested. It will. But I don't think he's going to have another day like yesterday. I think part of it's going to be is they're going to get it together internally and figure out what they want to do offensively in terms of philosophically and game planning and play calling. More on that coming up. But he's a tough kid. I think he's a well-liked kid. You're not going to get the locker room to turn on him like they did on RG3 or like they did on Wentz. You're not going to have those issues where the coach says, I got 52 other guys. That I got to be concerned about. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think Sam is a baller. He's resilient. He's tough. And I think we'll see him have more good games and probably more bad games. And then at some point, we will, you know, rely on them to make the right decision or the next group to make the right decision as to whether or not he's worth continuing to invest in. Now, as far as yesterday goes, Sam was. Far from the only problem. When you get beat 37-3 to and have to kick a late field goal to avoid an absolute disturbing shutout, it's a group effort. And yesterday was. My game take when we come back. But before we get to my game take, I want to tell you about the Window Nation deal that they've got going on right now. The more windows you buy, the more you will save up to 50% off plus a lot more. You don't have to pay anything for two full years. It's another amazing deal on the windows that deliver more for your home, more energy savings, more value, more features, more options, more beauty. Window Nation right now is offering no money down, no payments, with no interest for two years. Interest rates are skyrocketing, and they're giving you 0% until the year 2025. Plus, you can save up to 50% off of all style windows. You may only pay half price on bow, bay, double hung, any style. So all the while that you have these new windows in your home and you haven't paid nickel one for them, you are saving big time on your energy bills, up to 30% on energy bills, while also upgrading the look and feel of your home. Call them at eight six six ninety nation or go to windownation.com. Mention my name. You get a free estimate. You've got nothing to lose. I've trusted Window Nation for 14 years. They've never disappointed. 96% of their installs go off without a hitch. They require no follow-up service. They get it right the first time. No money down, no payments, no interest for two years, plus get up to 50% off on all style windows. Save thousands on your new windows, your energy bills, upgrade the look and feel of your home before you start paying for these windows in the year 2025. six six ninety nation or windownation.com. My game take when we come back.
0: That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Pay attention. Here's Kevin's Game Take. My Game Take today is brought to you by my bookie, and I want you to listen closely because my bookie's the best. They did something. They reached out to me last week, and they said, We want to celebrate Washington's first 2-0 start in 12 seasons. What can we do? So we talked about a couple of things, and they decided to make an offer that they have never made for my audience. They are offering a 110% deposit match. Okay, so you deposit minimum 50 bucks, maximum 1000 and you will get 110% of that in free cash into your account. So if you deposit $1,000, you will get an extra $1,100 into your account. Uh, Look, this is not even offered on the website. It is a truly exclusive campaign for my listeners. In fact, it's the biggest sportsbook bonus my my bookie has ever agreed to in its history. So this is a big deal for my bookie and me, and I so appreciate them recognizing that this was an opportunity to capitalize on. That was before what happened yesterday, but still, who cares? You know, if you don't have a place to wager, now you have no choice. You got to go to mybookie.ag. You've got to use my promo code, Kevin DC. If you already have a place where you're wagering, where are you going to get somebody to offer you a 110% deposit match? So go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code, Kevin DC. This is an offer that you need to grab quickly, it's only available for this week. So I would do it today. I would do it no later, obviously, than you know Wednesday or Thursday before the whole new football season or, or football week. Excuse me, next week begins. Um, but uh, this is really quite the offer. We appreciate my bookie really working with us. They've been great to work with over the years, as I've told you before. Fair point spreads, fair money lines, fair totals, and fair pricing. And now they're going to. Give you a one hundred and ten percent deposit match on your bonus. All right, you deposit five hundred bucks, you get an extra five hundred and fifty into your account. That's the way it works. Up to thousand dollars, fifty dollar minimum. MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code Kevin DC to claim this bonus. Again, it's an offer they're only making available for this week. MyBookie.ag. Kevin DC is the promo code. You're not going to see this on their website. They're not offering this to anybody else. It's just for my listeners, Kevin DC as the promo code. My bookie tonight, by the way, uh, has Philly still as a five-point favorite over Tampa Bay. The Bucks are my last of the smell test picks for the weekend the smell test five five and one heading into uh tonight uh, for the weekend i was four three and one on saturday and i was one and two yesterday i had denver in the smell test yesterday that did not work out please by the way do not tease these picks uh, because you would not have been even close with Denver or Chicago. I gave out Chicago yesterday. Uh, also had Cleveland uh, laying the three and a half, and they blew out Tennessee. By the way, Miles Garrett, my God, is this guy having a season so far? Three and a half sacks in the game uh, yesterday against Tennessee. Uh, MyBookie.ag, use my promo code Kevin DC. By the way, the Eagles are seven-point favorites against Washington on Sunday. That seems a little bit light to me. I think it's probably due to Philadelphia having a short week uh, coming off this Monday night uh, game. The game of the week next week, Miami at Buffalo, and the Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites. All right, let's get to my game take. Uh, Let me start with the things that I liked. This list is short. Brian Robinson Jr. is on the list of things that I like. Uh, He had 70 yards on 10 carries. I think that's seven yards per carry. He did have 10 yards on that final run of the first half, more on that coming up. Why did he only get 10 carries? It's a good question. Um, I will discuss that again when I get to the list of things that I did not like. He's just such a tough runner right now. You know, We talked on Friday, Jay Gruden and I did, about Debo Samuel and George Kittle and how difficult it is to get those guys to the ground. Man, it's hard to tackle Brian Robinson Jr. And I think this year he's more patient as a runner. His vision is better. Um, he's he's just a really good option for them. Uh, look, considering the sack problem, the pressure problem, the quarterback holding on to the ball problem, the they got a lot of issues in trying to be a predominantly pass happy team. To protect Sam Howell, Biennemi may need to turn to Robinson more. Robinson was only in the game for 20 offensive snaps. Now, I understand they were behind when we got to the fourth quarter anyway. I mean, it was 16 nothing through three quarters. Uh, but he was only on the field for 37% of the snaps. He's aver- averaging 5.6 yards per carry. In his last two games. So I wanted to take a moment here um, because there's not a lot that I liked in the game. Brian Robinson Jr. is among maybe two or three things. But Ron Rivera said something yesterday that for me comes back to Brian Robinson Jr. Now the question was about Sam Howell and how he handled yesterday. Here's what Ron said.
0: Well, I thought he handled some of the moments pretty well, and I thought there was other ones that he probably could have done something different. We're going to get an opportunity to evaluate everything, evaluate what we're doing, make sure it's the right thing first and foremost, and then secondly, we'll evaluate how we thought the players did.
1: The last part of that, is telling, in my opinion. Um, Ron's saying we're going to get an opportunity to evaluate everything, evaluate what we're doing, make sure it's the right thing first and foremost, and then secondly, we'll evaluate how we thought the players did. I think he's talking about the pass-happy approach to the offensive game plan each week. Remember, this is a guy who last year and the year before As the head coach, got his team into contention by being a run-first team, Um, but it's more than that. You know, I think as a defensive head coach, he has this sense watching the game get called from his perspective that dropping Sam back at a four-to-one ratio or even higher. I mean, last week he was thirty-six and seven in terms of pass calls to run calls in the first half, so that's five to one. Um, you know, just over five to one. I think he understands that there's a lot of risk in doing this. Now, you know, I think the evaluation of, you know, what he says, quote, we're doing, I think it's a conversation with Biennemi about this. You know, I think it's a conversation where Ron says to Eric, let's evaluate what we've called here for the first three games and find out if it's our best way of developing a young quarterback, developing an offense, because I have some concerns that nine sacks and 19 sacks in three games – is a problem and, by the way, could get him hurt. See, here's where what comes into play is what we were talking a lot about during the offseason is this conflict of interest, I guess, to a certain degree. Um, They do have an option. You know, It's giving the ball more to Robinson Jr. Let me just be clear on one thing. You guys know this about me. I'm not a guy that says run more than throw it or throw it more than run it. I don't care how you move the football. You do whatever you need to do based on the opponent you're playing to move the football and score points. But right now, the approach that Biennemi has taken in the first three games is a risky approach. You know, the risk of bad things happening when you put the ball into a young quarterback's hands and drop them back as much as you have. Where with Brian Robinson Jr., giving him the ball is a lot less risky. You know, I, I think, though, I want to go back to, to what I've said in previous weeks about what B enemy is doing right now. Uh, and and it's a total hunch I don't know any of this for sure I do have a sense by the way that that quote from Ron Rivera is more about hey we got to look at what we're doing offensively because wouldn't any coach say that after his quarterback has been sacked 19 times in three games um, and they got beat 37 to 3 with nine sacks and four picks but I I've said this once or twice over the first few weeks. I don't think Biennemi wants to develop or coach a game-managing quarterback. Um, I think he believes, and I don't know that he's wrong in believing this at all, I think he believes to be a winning team, to have a legitimate chance to win big, you've got to be a pass-first team. And that's the philosophy he wants to instill here with the clout that he has. And he wants to find the quarterback that can succeed playing that way. Now, he doesn't know yet whether or not Sam's that guy, but let's face it, Ron isn't cut from that same cloth. And that's where this thing will get a little bit interesting. You know, maybe you needed this kind of – I don't know that it's needed, but this kind of result I think had Ron watching and saying – Man, when I went to Philly last year and we beat the Eagles, we ran the ball 49 times. And Robinson Jr. had 26 carries in that game. And back in 2021, when we got back to 500, we were running the football. And I have a guy in Robinson Jr. that we drafted that is averaging 5.6 yards per carry, but we're not giving him the ball enough. And was only in the, in the game for 20 of the offensive snaps in the game. Now again, I, I realize the game got out of hand, but it really didn't get out of hand. Out of hand, I never felt like they had a chance to win it down sixteen nothing, but it didn't get out of hand score wise until the fourth quarter. But anyway, I thought that that was an interesting quote, and I would suggest to all of you that it is an indication that Ron is, you know, wants to probably at least sit down and say to Eric. Tell me what you're thinking, um, because we were 17 pass play calls, five run play calls in the first half, and it wasn't working. And we were that way against Arizona in the first half, and it wasn't working. Last week it worked. Last week it did. Um Brian Robinson Jr. on the list of things that I liked from the game. He did have a missed pass protection on that fourth and goal in the first half. That was, you know, a bad play by him. But I I do just, I think he's been on this list of things that I've liked for all three games. All right, just a couple of other things. Um, Bear with me on this one. You know, last week, the first and second down offense and the third down offense early in that game against Denver was a train wreck. Um, This week, the third down defense wasn't good, but the first and second down defense in the first half, I actually didn't hate the way the defense came out and played kind of overall. I mean, not overall, but I didn't think that they were a major culprit in this loss. Like Sam Howell was number one, the offensive line number two, you know, Biennemi probably three. that's the way I would see it. I mean, when you turn the ball over, and we'll get to this, when you turn the ball over five times and take nine sacks in a game and you're one for nine on third down, that's at the top of the list. Um, But um, we're not on that list yet. I... Offense trumps defense in 2023, people. You're not going to dominate as a defense every week in this league. It's just impossible, especially when you're playing guys like Josh Allen and Steph Diggs. You know, the defense yesterday on first and second down on the first two drives allowed 2.2 yards per play. In the first half, they averaged just less than allowing Four yards per play, just less than that. Okay, so last week they got gashed on every down in those first three drives against Denver, and they were better on first and second down. What happened was they gave up third downs, you know, six of the first eight, nine of 15 overall. And a lot of that had to do with Josh Allen being really good and Stefan Diggs being really good, et cetera. Um, but some of that was on them too, no doubt. Um, but I it was just something that I wanted to point out so that I could at least have more than just Brian Robinson Jr. on the list of things that I liked. I also would say the defense held Buffalo to three first-half field goals. They held Buffalo to 0 for two in the red zone. Um, you know, you expect a team like Buffalo after you know the turnovers and the sacks and a punt return that they uh, had in the game to be up by more than sixteen to nothing at halftime to be up by more than 16 to nothing entering the fourth quarter. Remember that, too. Um, There were a couple of players that I thought were good in the game or pretty good in the game. Once again, I thought Deron Payne was pretty good. I mean, compared to everybody else, I thought Fuller actually had a good game. And look, the interception is a good interception. It's more like a punt for for Buffalo. It was third and 20. Um, But I thought Payne made a number of plays in this game. He won't grade out like he did last week. I don't think. No, that was an elite performance. But he nailed Gabe Davis on an early inside handoff on a minus two yard loss. He deflected an Allen throw that it was actually that actually was completed to that guy number ten, Shakir. Um, fourth and one, he blocked a Josh Allen pass to stop a Buffalo drive. Ninety four. Duron Payne is having right now the MVP season for this team. It's only three games, but he's been the best player on the team. And I thought he was pretty good yesterday. Again, I I think Kendall Fuller had a decent game. I thought Sweat had a decent game. He had the one QB hit registered all all day, and he also had that sack, which they took the tripping penalty instead because it was 15 yards over the three- three or four-yard sack that he had. But I thought Sweat, you know, flashed. I thought Jamin Davis flashed on occasion. I actually thought Chase Young flashed on a couple of plays. I also didn't like that he loafed or appeared to loaf on one of the Josh Allen scrambles for a first down. You could see on the replay. He just kind of stopped. I want to see Chase Allen, uh, Chase Allen, I want to see Chase Young constantly be in that high motor mode because with a guy like Allen, Allen's going to keep, you know, on his feet. He's not going to slide more times than not. And Chase Young's got the speed to catch him and maybe make a play from behind. But, you know, he flashed on a couple of plays positively. That's it. Uh, I think that's it. Did I have any other – anything else on my list of things that I liked? Just looking through my notes. Um. Percy Butler nearly had an interception. Um, Yeah, Brian Robinson, Deron Payne, Kendall Fuller. Uh, That's Jamin Davis and a couple of plays here and there from Chase Young. That's it. Uh, The list of things that I didn't like. Uh, You start with turnovers, of course. You cannot beat a team like Buffalo, minus four in the turnover margin category. In fact, you really can't beat anybody in this league minus four. And in many ways, it was kind of minus five because the one turnover that Buffalo did have was like a punt. It was third and 20. And it was a deep throw. And it pretty much acted like a punt. You can't beat a good team. You can't beat many bad teams. You really can't win in the NFL at all, minus four or minus five. All right. Sam Howell, four interceptions, Antonio Gibson, a fumble, more on that. But it was an absolute self-destruction clinic by uh, the home team. Nine sacks is next on the list of things that I did not like. Um, Hal holds it too long. The offensive line, especially the tackles uh, in particular, Andrew Wiley struggled, it looked like to me. Eric Bienemy did a phenomenal job last week, but this week's plan didn't seem to be as protective against a much better defensive team. All of the above, and I'm sure we can throw in some tight end and running back protections. We know that Brian Robinson Jr. missed one on the goal line and fourth and on fourth and goal. Um, It was was a, a group effort on nine sacks. Hal's been sacked 19 times in three games. This was a concern, remember, about him coming out of North Carolina. You know, probably on the list of reasons he wasn't taken until the fifth round is that he holds it long and he takes a lot of sacks. He's on pace for 108 sacks for the season. That would destroy the all-time mark set by David Carr in 2002 when he took 76 sacks. Now, I would imagine he'll never get the chance because eventually, if this pace continues, he'll either be benched or they'll change their play-calling approach or he'll get hurt, God forbid. He was pressured on 27 of his 39 pass attempts yesterday per next-gen, 69.2% of his dropbacks. It's the second highest pressure rate since next-gen introduced that stat. That's a combination of him getting pressured because he's not getting rid of the ball, the offensive line, etc. 15 quarterback hits in the game. That's Patrick Ramsey territory. You know, Floyd, Rousseau, Oliver, they just were all problems for everybody. The All-22, and Cooley will help us out on Wednesday, will be telling as to how much Sam could have done to help himself in all of those situations. But I've been here for the first two weeks, and I was kind of in this position last year where I was not – I didn't think Carson Wentz was responsible for his nine sack, like all of his nine sacks last year. I didn't think that Sam Howe was responsible for all of those sacks, the sacks that he's taken this year. I think the offensive line is a problem. He's part of it, but the O-line was a problem last year in pass pro, and it's been an issue this year. And then, you know, the OC has to come up with solutions, or Hal's going to take a beating this year. Number three on the list of things that I did not like after turnovers and sacks, Sam Hal. So... He had a really bad game. There's no other way to say it. He was horrendous in the football game. It was one of the worst mistake-filled days by a starting quarterback in recent memory. First time in 28 years an NFL quarterback has thrown four or more interceptions and been sacked nine times in a game. You know, usually you're taking the sacks because you don't want to throw the picks. He did both. Uh, He didn't fumble. So it could have been worse. Five and 11. Uh, not the worst in the league. Um, we'll, again, know how many of the sacks were on him, but the interceptions were all bad. The first one to Bernard on a third and 19, you cannot make that throw. You're in field goal range. It's only three to nothing. It's the first drive of the game. Third and 19 ain't happening in this, in this league unless you're Mahomes or Allen. Okay? You have to take your medicine, you've got to check it down to Gibson or Bates and kick the effing field goal. That was really awful. It was a good pick by Bernard. It was a terrible decision by Sam. And if it's on the offensive coordinator for saying, look, take the shot, third and 19, you might be able to get it over the backer, we might be able to pick it up, then that's on him too. That's bad situational football, period third and 19 you're in field goal range and you throw an interception on what is a check down and kick the field goal three to three the second one on a third and two late in the first half Gibson turns Epinesa loose as a free rusher Sam's under duress he puts the ball in a bad spot against a defender in Micah Hyde who has been one of the best in the league at anticipating where the ball is going for uh, where the ball is going to for years now. I love Micah Hyde. I've loved him for years. Talked about him on Friday. That's a bad throw and a bad pick. He was lucky it wasn't returned for a touchdown. Now, does Gibson is Gibson supposed to turn Epinesa loose as a free rusher? It's third and two. Maybe he's supposed to turn him loose and immediately get to the flat and catch the ball and move the sticks. Or maybe he's supposed to pick him up. I don't know what the responsibility for Gibson was, but it was a bad throw. Uh, The third pick, uh, the one where Tredavious White has Samuel blanketed and leveraged in the end zone, you just can't throw it there. You know, it doesn't seem, and I haven't seen the all-22, it doesn't seem like he had a ton of options, and he was pressured, but still bad decision, bad throw. And then the last one, I mean, it's a great play by Epinesa, who is 6'6", and a former basketball player with, you know, good athleticism. The decision Sam makes is just a terrible decision. Even if that doesn't get picked, which it probably doesn't eight times out of ten, he's not getting it over this guy's arms and hands. Like, you got to know that. Four picks on the day, all of them on the quarterback, in my opinion. Not flukish interceptions, not deflections, not balls off the hands of receivers where you, you know, you, you give the uh, blame to the receiver for not catching the ball. No, just bad decisions and bad throws by the quarterback. You know, he wasn't completely void of good plays. He had a good deep shot to Samuel for thirty-seven yards. I think he throws that man coverage deep, you know, deep shot down the sideline with great arm strength and great touch. Um, he avoided, uh, you know, a sack and scrambled 18 yards for that first and goal opportunity where they didn't get it in, in four downs. I mean, he is, you know, he took a pounding. He was lucky he didn't get sacked, but at the same time, it was such a great run and, and great effort. I loved the sprint out throw to Terry on that drive. Um, we saw some of that last week. I'd like to see more of that. I think that, you know, getting him out on the edges and having him throw, even though it cuts the field in half, you know, is better than than dropbacks. And we saw some of that last week, and we saw a more quick game last week. Um, he had a third and five quick decision throw to Gibson to move the chains in the third quarter. I thought that was a, a really good, decisive play, but – Look, this this was an F. This was a failing grade for Sam Howell yesterday. But you know, it's just one game. Last week was an A, A minus. The first week was a C. This week was an F. You know, um, so the average so far through you know some homework assignments, a couple of quizzes, and a midterm. Uh, well, I don't know which one of the three was the midterm. Let's say the uh, – yeah, because the midterm is going to be more heavily weighted. He's got a C average so far in the class. Okay, so he's made some really good plays in, in two games. Uh, and, you know, just a couple yesterday. But, God, that was that was bad. Eric Bieniemy's next on the list of things I did not like. Last week I sat here. I praised him. I said it was an A game for the offensive coordinator. Screens, quick game. Now, in retrospect, a week later, Denver's defense looks horrible. They gave up 70 and 726 yards to the Dolphins, second most in NFL history. But last week, I'm not going to take that away from BN. I mean, It was a great week. He had them, you know, he had, as Cooley said, he had Vance Joseph shuffling his papers. Um, this week, you know, where were the screens? I, I will tell you, and I talked about this at one point last week, Buffalo played the screens last week in their game against the Raiders pretty well. They're smart. They're fast. You know, they had an interception on a screen last week on a ball that got deflected. It turned the game. They were down 7 nothing at the time. They went on to win 38-10. But Buffalo is a smart, fast team. Maybe he didn't think the screen game would work this week. But look, when you when you get your quarter when your quarterback gets sacked nine times in a game, and it's already been an issue coming into the game, part of the nine sacks is on you, the the coordinator. You know, the four picks maybe they're all on Sam. Maybe there were no answers. Um, uh, uh, maybe Biami had some answers. Excuse me for Sam, and he didn't take those answers. Uh, but. No. You go, you you get your quarterback who's been sacked a bunch of times already, sacked nine times in a game, and then you go one for nine on third down. Some of that's on the offensive coordinator. There was one drive I hated the most. It was the drive in the third quarter. Actually, kind of the first two drives of the third quarter. So, you know, they're down 16-0 at the half. They come out, they take the ball, and they have one of their more impressive actual drives because... They didn't really have many at all. They opened up with a drive where they had the interception, um, and they had the, the, the drive in which it led to a first and goal. And then that was pretty much it, except for, except for the first drive of the second half and the second drive for a while in the second half. So they come out in that first drive in the second half, and Robinson's got a 23-yard run. Gibson um, takes a short throw and goes for ten yards. Uh, Gibson has Gibson has a thirteen yard run, and that drive you know ends with the interception in the end zone by by White. Uh, but they came out after halftime, and in that drive there was a Robinson run, there was a Gibson run. There was a couple of short throws. There was another Robinson run, another Gibson run, another Robinson run. They were more balanced in that 10 play drive. Then they come out in their second drive after the fuller interception, and Robinson rips off a six yard run and then a 13 yard run. They're out near their own 40 yard line. It's 16 to nothing. Now, I'm thinking they're not anywhere near good enough to beat Buffalo today. But if somehow we can run the ball down the field now that we've got 19 yards, and by the way, the previous drive they were running the football, and punch it in and somehow make it 16-8, maybe we start to to impose our will. I mean, I didn't think it was going to happen, but – after Robinson goes for 19 yards on two carries and had the two or three carries on the previous drive, he drops back Sam, he gets sacked, drops him back again. I think that was the RPO, um, gets sacked. Um, uh, actually, I think that was on a, a, an earlier drive um, where he had an RPO and he got sacked because he didn't want to throw it. It was a good thing that he didn't throw it. Um, and then they're punting a few plays later. I mean, they actually went from their own 19 out to the 39-yard line and then back to their 25-yard line. I just – this is the kind of thing where I think Ron's probably like, why didn't he just stick with Robinson a couple more times? The dropping Sam back, even in play action after we were running the football, just didn't work. Um, I hated those that that sequence because it was kind of, for me – the last gasp, even though I didn't really think even at halftime they had much of a shot, um, I really started to worry in this game after the Sam sacks back-to-back and in the interception on 3rd and 19. I was like, that is a terrible end to that drive. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. Uh, on the list of things that I didn't like, I I, I did not like that sequence and that falls – under the B enemy heading, uh, third down defense it was not good. Six of the first eight Buffalo converted. I know a lot of that was, you know, some greatness by the quarterback and a receiver who's great, but still, uh, nine of 15 overall. Um, third down offense, one for nine, uh, 0 for one on fourth down. Antonio Gibson fumbled again. I love Gibson. He's one of my favorite players in terms of what I think he can be. But you just can't put the ball on the ground, and he was trying, you know, to make a play, and you're down, you know, sixteen nothing at that point. But you know, you just can't, you can't put the ball on the ground. Um, I thought that, uh, I thought that the pass defense seemed to have some big holes in it. By the way, I'm not putting run defense necessarily on this, even though that was a bit of a concern after the first two games. Most of Cook's rushing yards came in the second half. He was 7 for 24 in the first half. The rushing yards were really the Josh Allen rushing yards. That counts. And then Cook really got going in the second half when the game got a little bit out of hand. I mean, the defense, you know, at some point, they were going to, you know, keep bending and then and then break a little bit. Yeah. Um, Lastly, on the list of things I did not like, uh, actually two more things. They gave up another punt return this week, 23 yards plus a 10-yard penalty at the end of it. Mims Jr. had the big punt return last week, 45, 50 yards, whatever it was. By the way, he had a kickoff return for Denver in the 70-20 to loss to Miami. Um, so the last 19 seconds of the first half drove me nuts. If you are going to approach the final 19 seconds with a, we're going to try to score, but we're going to do it initially with kind of a conservative call, like a draw. Um, And if that draw gets something, we're going to call timeout and go for it because we've got two timeouts left. If that's your approach, do it. But if you have no intention of trying to score, then you don't run a play. Period. You take a knee and get to the locker room. Brian Robinson Jr. ripped off 10 yards. The ball was at the 35 yard line. If they had called the timeout, there's 13 seconds to go. Now you can take a shot down the field. You still have one timeout left, and maybe 25 yards or so, you got a chance at a Joey Sly field goal. Maybe you throw a quick sprint out, you know, come back to Terry McLaurin on the sideline. Now there's the eight seconds to go, and you're at the 46-yard line, and now one quick, you know, throw over the middle timeout, and you got a field goal attempt. Maybe you just get into Hail Mary range. If you decide you want to score, go for it. And I have no problem with the drive starting with something conservative and you're going to make up your mind after that play but he went for 10 yards call the timeout let's go get it let's let's try to get something here we're down 16 nothing and if your decision is i'm not doing this because we got to get to the locker room we've gotten our ass kicked then take a knee don't risk running robinson and risking a turnover or an injury It drives me nuts. Ron's not the only coach that does that either. There are a lot of coaches that, you know, end of the half, it's like, look, first things first. Are we going to try to score or not? And if the answer is yes, we're going to try to score, then it's are we going to take the conservative approach to the start of this drive, or are we going to come out, you know, slinging it? You know, and the conservative approach is fine, but that means that if your guy gets a big run on first down, then you're going for it. Ball's at the 35-yard line. It just, all of that is mind-boggling to me. I mean, there is no chance that the head coach could convince me that it was right to run that play and let the clock run out. No way he could convince me of that. No coach could, con- what are you going to say? Oh, we wanted to get uh, him a, a run before halftime because we thought it would really get him going in the second half. Uh, we were we were struggling a little bit with the, uh, with with the uh, snap, um, and I wanted uh, I wanted uh, Gates just to get another snap in before the end. No, none of that makes sense. They should have called timeout with 13 seconds left. They then should have sprinted him out, thrown a comeback against a soft defense to Terry for 10 or 11 yards, and then with eight seconds to go, you got a shot to throw it and perhaps get, um, you know, a a 15. Yard kind of a play and a timeout to get Joey Sly on the field. And if you don't, then you can hurl one to the uh, end zone on a Hail Mary. You just had one completed against you the previous previous week. You're down 16 to nothing. You haven't scored, and you've got the ball at the 35-yard line with 13 seconds to go. Let's try it. Um, a couple of other quick observations. Number one would be, I didn't really have a problem with Ron going for the fourth and goal at the two. Uh, third and goal at the one is do we have a bunch formation quarterback sneak play? Um, Jacoby Brissett was a very good quarterback sneak guy, um, but then they lost a yard on the handoff to Robinson Jr. and then you know they got stopped. Uh, There was an opportunity, I think, on one of those plays. Somebody sent this to me, and I think it's this drive where Hal just misses a wide-open receiver. I think it's Dotson. But I did not have an issue with him going for that. I didn't. I didn't feel it 10-0, even though they were down there. Of course, I'm thinking if we can get it in here, it's a game. But there was something about the way that game was progressing that made me believe Buffalo was just the better team. Doesn't mean it's going to go their way. There was still a lot of game left, but I did not have a problem with Ron going for the fourth and goal. Um, now one last thing or two other things, big Buffalo contingent at FedEx field. I think everybody kind of knew that that was a possibility because when the schedule came out, you know, we were still not unsure about what Dan was going to do. So there wasn't the excitement level and Buffalo fans, they get tickets. I don't think the Chicago uh, game will be uh, bears fans. They stink. Um, Philadelphia and the Giants are after that, I think. Uh, but, you know, look, this is a transition year, okay? You know, more likely than not, the start of this new administration begins when this year ends because more likely than not, more likely than not, it is going to be a big overhaul at the end of this year. Uh, and people will be watching it and excited about it and hopefully buy tickets. Um, two more Quick things, and then we'll get to Smoot. Number one, I did not have much of an issue with them not pulling Hal at the end of the game. I didn't. I wasn't screaming, get Jacoby Brissett in the game. You got to get Hal out of here. You can't get him killed. However, I didn't love the fact that they kept dropping him back. I think they should have left him out there. Ron said they wanted to see him... You know, play through it. I understand all of that, but you, you got him sacked another two or three times. I mean, there was not a whole lot of concern about protecting him yesterday, you know, including at the end. But I was not screaming, get Jacoby Brissett into the game. So in the moment, I didn't have a lot of, of problem with it. Uh, lastly, Ron's decision to kick the field goal at the end to avoid the shutout. So it's 4th and 19. There's still 40-something seconds left. You're not, you can't take a knee. I mean, you could, but then Buffalo is going to have to come out and take a snap. You're certainly not going to let Sam Howell drop back on 4th and 19. Maybe you run a draw. Maybe you run a bubble screen, but you're, you can't drop him back again. You're not going to get 4th and 19. Um, so uh, since the clock's not going to expire – You send your field goal kicker out there to kick a field goal and avoid the shutout. Now, I'm not one of those people that thinks there's a big difference between 37 to nothing and 37 to three, but 37 to nothing, a shutout, does get talked about a little bit more. And I think Ron wanted to avoid it. There are a couple of other things, real quickly. You know, by putting Joey Sly out there, you were also putting Cameron Cheeseman back out there. Now, maybe you wanted to see Cam Cheeseman snap in that situation after you brought five long snappers in earlier in the week. But you could have given him the week off cleanly and said, yeah, I'm not going to let Cam dribble one back, and then he becomes part of the conversation too. Um, or maybe it was the perfect situation to put him in there to because for him it was actually a pressure snap regardless of the game situation. Regardless of the game situation. Also... There's net point differential to think about tiebreaker procedures, end of the year. You'd hate to lose out on a seven-seed wild card spot because, you know, uh, the Falcons had you beat by two points on net point differential when you could have kicked a field goal at the end of the Buffalo game back in September. Uh, I don't think coaches think about net point differential. I would. Uh, it's way down the list on tiebreaker procedures, but anyway, all right, let's get to Fred Smoot right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Hey, Washington, looking for the ultimate outdoor destination to watch upcoming games? And, by the way, groove to some live music. Look no further than the bullpen. Yeah, that bullpen located right in the heart of Navy Yard next to Nats Park. The bullpen is your go-to spot for an unforgettable time with friends. Guess what? Admission absolutely free. And this year, they're bringing you all the NFL and college football action you can handle. So get your guys together, wear your team colors, head on over to the bullpen. They've got the games, the drinks, and the energy to make every moment unforgettable. You can visit them today at thebullpendc.com. That's thebullpendc.com to see the game schedule. Guys, it's fall. It's beautiful weather. I know this weekend wasn't. But on some of these fall Saturdays and Sundays that are coming in the next few weeks, A lot of you love to watch football and at the same time want to be outside, and the bullpen is a great spot to do it, thebullpendc.com. All right, Fred is with us right now. Uh, Everybody enjoyed last week. Everybody always enjoys when Fred's on. One of the things Fred said last week was that he would never – even consider, of course, he wasn't being truthful, but that he would never consider trading Sam Howell straight up for Justin Herbert, Um, I think he would definitely consider that. Uh, But we won't even go down that road today. I just want to start with, you know, yesterday was a disturbing game to watch for all of us. I didn't expect that. I actually thought they had a chance to win the game going into it. So let me just get your overarching thoughts on what you saw yesterday.
2: So seriously, Professor, you're gonna sit here and tell me that we have a quarterback that's twelve quarters old. We sixteen quarters old. We have an offensive coordinator that's been here for six months, and you thought we was gonna go seventeen games without having one of those one of those games I right, that we have if the coaching staff was here for four or five years. All right, it's just one of those things where they're going to happen. We watched it happen yesterday with the Cowboys and the Cardinals. All right, now that Cardinal win don't look so bad. Like At the end of the day, every week we learn something new about a team. Sometimes it's good news. Sometimes it's bad news. But what we're about to see in the weeks to come is how do they rebound from a shameful performance. All right, and when I say shameful, I mean all 53. We go in there together, we lose their thing together. But I tell you this. And and, and this is easy math. All right, one, two, three, four, five offensive linemen versus one, two, three, four defensive linemen. You got to win that battle. Uh, You have to win that battle, and that's the battle that we're losing, and we've been winning in spite of. And now it came back to bite us. They have to learn how to play as a unit and have each other back. They are great independent contractors right now. But what they're not is a jailed, formed offensive line. Because if I told you at the third week of the the year, Sadiq Charles would probably be the – Best and playing the best out of offensive linemen, you'll be like you're crazy because he was the question mark going in.
1: Well, I'm with you on the big picture. I, no, nobody's bailing, and I've been talking about all off season. This was going to be a roller coaster ride when you've got inexperience like you have a quarterback. But I'm not asking you about the big picture. I'm asking you about what you saw yesterday.
2: I saw, thir- I saw a score that was 16 to zero. I mean to zero at the end of the third quarter, and I saw a landslide. So for three quarters, they played with one of the top teams, meaning you was two scores away, and we drove the ball. Up and down the field, we just didn't end drives with points. So it ain't like the game plan didn't work. It worked. It just was not executed when it mattered, and that was in the red zone. And think about it, Professor, five turnovers. You don't win games with two turnovers, let on five turnovers, and the score was still 16 to 0 so something was getting did right something but we're, we're, we're still there to keep us in that game. But this is one of those games, and I have been in those games, where one bad play happens, two bad play happened, a fumble here happens, and we're out of it. I, we're out of it. And it, it's a landslide. And once that momentum gets to going, it is hard to stop an avalanche. And that's what we saw in the fourth quarter. We saw an avalanche on all three sides of the ball for Buffalo. Offense, defense, special teams, they were churning. And the thing about it is, on defense, what they did was I, – and I love to do this when we play. Man, Champ used to do it all the time. Anytime we get a young quarterback in there, we know they're going to start off drives trying to get him easy – receptions, get him easy completion so they can get going. So we're not backpedaling. We're sitting on everything and jumping everything. They had the two deep safeties over there, allowing the corners and allowing the linebackers to be aggressive, and they forced him to go one read, two read. Is nobody open. By the time now, the defensive line has collapsed the pocket. Four against five. Can't lose that matchup. And this what's the problem yesterday. They had no answer for the, the initial way that they was going to stop this offense, and they were going to make them either go
1: big play or nothing. <laughs> You're the best. Driving the ball up and down the field. What game were you watching? We, we literally
2: <laughs> went with this, class, we <laughs> this position two three times, Professor. Uh, they like, listen, every every, every <laughs> drive in every game is not going to end in three and out. It didn't end in three and out. Like Some of those drives right. would throw no, bec- the ball. Because deep they deep threw interceptions
1: before they could go three and out. I mean,
2: listen. Five—I mean, five turnovers. Yes, it, it was incomplete. <laughs> it was a terrible game. Yeah. But if you go back and watch the film, I got—I te- got privy to watch the film. Huh? And when you watch the film, I see way more than the substance of thirty-seven to three. I see a—I see a game that that flooded at the end. All right.
1: Uh, The professor wants the student to just sit down at the desk, get his pencils, number two pencil, have it all (laughs) sharpened up because, because I I, look it's 16 to nothing. I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, believe it or not, like they could somehow, you know, if they could just do something and punch it in and get one two point conversion and put some game pressure, but it wasn't like, I was watching a game that was close, even though the score was sixteen to nothing, yeah. and I certainly yeah. didn't watch an offense drive the ball up and down the field, going you know with two hundred and thirty yards total, one for nine on third down. The reason that they didn't have a chance to drive the ball up and down the field, maybe they would have is, as you said, they turned the ball over five times. And I totally agree with you. You cannot beat good teams. You can't beat terrible teams in this league like at minus four. Yeah, at minus yeah. four in the turnover margin, you can't beat bad teams. And the truth is, it was really minus five because the interception by Fuller was more like a punt anyway. You know, it wasn't like it set up scoring position. I mean, they they started that drive inside their own 20. You can't...
2: I want well. To, I, I, I thought, I, Professor, can you agree with me? Was the turning point the Gibson fumble? What, 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 if you had to pick a play, what would have been the play the, that it was like? Okay, it's uh, it's it, it's just, it's not today. It's just not
1: happening. Well, hold on. Did you see? Did you just tell me that you think the turning point was the Gibson fumble in the second no, half? No, I'm asking you. I think yesterday the turning point may have been the national anthem. Uh, because because there was no chance like here's the truth like and I and I talk, and i I think I talked about this already uh, like i i I picked them I bet them plus six I bet them on the money line yesterday I predicted on Fridays show they were gonna win the game twenty four to seventeen so I really had this strong feeling going in. That this is a team with some swag li- right now. Think about it too. Yep. You and I, you and I, haven't talked about this. Their best players all come from places where they won a lot of football games. Yes, all right? yes. Deron yes. Payne, John Allen. Terry mm-hmm. McLaurin, Sam Howell won a lot of football games <laughs> yeah, at North yeah. Carolina. And I just had this feeling that they were, they were rolling in confidence. And, you know, somebody um, in the pregame show yesterday, or it was right before kickoff, said they were talking to Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, and they're, this team is coming into this game with a lot of confidence. And from afar, but being in the same market and talking about this team every day, I kind of felt the same thing. Here's where I, re- I really felt like after the you know it was really after the second drive and and the punt return in 10 nothing i thought i saw first of all the, the the first interception it's not i don't know which one was worse of the four but that is such a bad situational <clears throat> football You know, uh, manage. they're in field goal range. Third and 19, you know what third and 19 is. It's a prayer in this league. You check that down and you kick the field goal. So I already had, after those first two drives, a shaky feeling. He had already been sacked at that point three or four times. And it was 10 to nothing after that throw. And even when they got down there and they didn't score, I i even when they were down there, I'm like when they went for the fourth and goal, I was like, I think they're gonna need a touchdown here, so I was okay with them going yeah. for the fourth and goal, Me so too. I thought I it was too. I thought it was long over before the second half fumble by Antonio Gibson to answer your question
2: I, I, but, but I thought it's worse, you know, as bad as we played, and I think. I don't know what that Tropical Storm name was. Ida, some old name from like 1903. Ophelia. Ophelia, Oh,
1: she brought. 1903.
2: And she poured all over the United States and spilled nothing but bad football everywhere in the United States. I felt like as bad as we were playing, I was like, how are we still in this game? So I was personally amazed. While you was in awe of, I can't believe it's this bad, I was like, I can't believe we still can win this game. I, I, I was blown.
1: I I, look, I'm one of those people that you know when we're 2 and 7 i'm still trying to figure out what what doc always makes fun of me for he calls me playoff scenario guy at 2 and 7 yeah. i'm still trying to figure out a way to get into the playoffs so i am always thinking okay it's 16 two touchdowns two two point conversions i just wasn't feeling it by the way that's funny ophelia do you know that the worst <laughs> hur- hold on listen to this the worst hurricane tropical storm that we've ever had in this area and look you grew up in in an area where hurricanes were a real deal Mm -hmm. listen listen to this name hurricane agnes (laughs) agnes that's like 2000 (laughs) that's like 1877 name
2: Hey, hey, that's the revenge of the old people. Listen, why do they give these tropical storms these aged names? Because they, they, they feel they feel a hundred house-like. They feel like the revenge of spirits coming back to get us. Like, it's it, it, it just something about it. So when I heard the name, I, first I started laughing. I said, I should not be laughing about a tropical storm, but I just could not. And then I, I thought to myself, Professor, who picks these names
1: and what's the criteria? <laughs> yeah, it's not like we've got Hurricane. Jessica or Hurricane <laughs> Hannah or her, you know or, or Hurricane you know whatever the, the hot girls' names are right now. Yeah, yeah, what, what like Daenerys, right? Where where where's a hurricane Sansa when you need one? If you give it a
2: softer name, it might attack us a little softer. That's all I'm saying.
1: Uh, yeah, because when you get when you get Agnes and you get Helen and you get you know oh. Ruth and Mabel, we're in trouble. Hey. We're in trouble. Hey,
2: Lord, Lord bless us if we get Gertrudes.
1: Listen, if we get Gertrudes, I'm leaving the area. If, if we get Gertrude, I'm going. I'm seriously going to Minnesota for the week. Um, no, but let's get back to seriously. Uh, he played so well last week, and this was going to be a yep. roller coaster ride. Now, there are some people out there, and I talked about it, and I've been talking about it for six months. There were some people out there that told me they saw all they needed to in the Dallas game, and then people, bless their hearts, who told me after the Baltimore preseason game, he's our guy. No, no, no. Yeah. It's okay to say we don't know yet.
2: We yes, do. yes, and guess what? We don't know, but we do know this. All right, well, One, he's played four games. He's won three of those games, he's three and one. I will take that. We're two and one right now. He has now he haven't had a super, super great game, but I thought Denver was a good game by him. But he's had more he's had better games than he had bad games. And we know and let's just say this. Let's just say every three games he have a stinker. Would you take that? That's four stinkers a year.
1: We've we've had first of all, I don't really look at the Dallas game as as like a legit start. Okay, he didn't have his full. He, did not. he won the game
2: against the pro team
1: that okay. was going to the playoffs. Well, okay. Play of the guys. Know, but they looked disinterested in that game. I don't want to go back and and litigate, relitigate the Dallas game. He's played three legitimate games as the starter of this team, and if you look at these three games, he had a C game in the opener. He had an mm-hmm. A game in the. Uh, in the in Denver, and yesterday was an F game. Yesterday is mm-hmm. one of the worst performances we've seen by a starting quarterback in the NFL in a long, long time. No, Fred. no,
2: no, 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 it's not. Because I just watched. I just watched. Uh, who was that? Uh, Trevor Lawrence throw four interceptions in the game. I just watched. Uh, I watched a, a, a myriad of quarterbacks throw three, four interceptions in game. It happens. He's young. Let's stop trying to like. This is the thing about him. We,
1: we it's, know okay. He's a baby. it's okay.
2: It's okay to we, say we it. Him, but we, we treat him like a baby with a beard and an AAR card. <laughs> like he's, a, he's, he's literally
1: a baby. He might be an
2: old looking baby, but he's a baby. R. R. And, if, and if you feed babies too much, they tend to throw up. Uh, either they take a dump anywhere. It go, we have to clean <laughs> it up, and we have to let them learn from their mistakes. And that's what he's going to do. Like as much as we Trevor know, Lawrence. it has been a quarterback, quarterback bearing place. We need to have the patience to watch one either blossom or watch one fold. But we have to do one or the other.
1: I'm with you on that. I agree with you. Now, I you don't give them like a, a forever leash, but I'm with right. you. I've seen enough good in these first three games to say – I'm going to be patient. I want to see more. But just so you know, Trevor Lawrence you're comparing him to. Please stop.
2: No, well, I, uh, I I'm I'm comparing him to Trevor Lawrence, I mean Trevor Lawrence for uh what he performed, what he did. I don't care about no See, this is what I don't like. Once you're in the NFL, you're in the NFL. I don't care if you go for the number one pick or the last pick and be Brock Purdy. Once you in this league, you in this league. That's right. More, top, That's peers, what we're more top ten quarterbacks fail in this league than any other position. More top ten quarterbacks. That is not a sustained position. All right? At the end of the day, it stinks when people value an athlete by where they got drafted. How about you value them by what they do and when they do it and how they grow?
1: I know, but when you said you've seen a lot worse, let me just tell you. It's the first time in 28 years. 28 years. Okay, you were, by the way, you you were getting cleaned up. After you were throwing up and taking dumps all over the house all right, 28 years ago. It's the first time in 28 years an NFL quarterback has thrown four more interceptions and been sacked nine times in a game. Now, enough of that. I want to ask you this because you, you said something and I want to ask you if you, if you believe that this is the primary problem. You talked about the offensive line. This guy's been sacked 19 times in three games. It's a record pace, okay? If if this continues, he will shatter the record set by David Carr in 2002. He's the most sacked quarterback in three games since 2005. By the way, that was also David Carr. Do you think that these sacks are mostly attributable to the offensive line, Sam, or perhaps even some of the play calling?
2: Uh, I would go 50% offensive line, 50% uh, quarterback. Uh, It's one of those things where they're working in tandem for disaster. It's the ultimate tropical storm merging with another tropical storm and making it the worst (laughs) thing you have ever seen. Uh, The shining silver lining is, for some way, Sam is finding ways to uh, still succeed somewhat, even – Though he's holding the ball too long, which we knew he was going to have some problems he was going to have to work. Now, where is he good at? Anticipating throws and he has an arm to make any throw. Where is he bad at? Because he scans the field like a quarterback is supposed to, the clock in his head sometimes goes up and down. It was it, it was bound to be something that he wasn't going to be good at. So they go to damn if he don't, damn if he do, because if you take away the way he scared the field, now those throws down the field, they're gone. So it's like you got to let him work his way through it. we got to let him learn the process. And I'm sorry, this is one of them jobs you have to learn on the job. Practice is not enough. You have to learn on the job. But I'm sorry, I'm actually afraid for his health. Like I'm sorry, he cannot at this rate last. He can't last the full season getting beat up and pushed around like this. They have to figure out some way to get this done. I don't know if they're chipping the running back, having the tight end delay before he goes out. Uh, making sure he gets the ball out on three-step drop and throwing the ball away. What he has to understand, it's okay to live, to play another day. Throw the ball away. So if I'm telling you his only downfall is decisions, I'm telling you he's going to be better at that in in five weeks, in six weeks. He's going to continue to get better in the progression is what I want to see. But what I saw this week was a regression, and that's the scary part about it.
1: Um, the two tropical storms coming together. Uh, no, you, you said something there. You, you, I, I, yeah. You said 50, 50 quarterback and offensive line. Yeah. And then you said, well, yeah. maybe we need a chip. Maybe we need, you know, some mm-hmm. quick game, which by the way we saw last week. Well, that would indicate that you think mm-hmm. Eric bieniemy has got to do more to protect the quarterback. Yeah.
2: Well, I think what he sees now, you know, when you go into a season, you give people the benefit of the doubt. It's similar to a corner. We're going to play man-to-man until you figure out, no, nah, I can't play man-to-man. Uh, he's getting beat too much. We got to play more zone. Well, that's what he's working at, the kinks. I thought I could trust Wiley. I thought I could trust Leno. Uh they're breaking my trust. Now I need to find other ways to get this done. Maybe I need to move this pocket a little bit more. Maybe I need to realize that this guy actually is a quarterback that's right-handed and throws better when he rolls to the left. All right, so now I have to incorporate those things and you'll see that during Philadelphia Monday night, you're going to see the pocket move around. You're going to see them manufacture ways to get time for him to make throws. So now you see that, but you don't see that until you play games. We can't work the kinks out until we go to war. And that's what I want everybody to understand. Yeah, we lost a battle, and it was bad. The battle of the Bills, it was over. It was a terrible battle, but this is a war, and we're trying to win more battles than we lose, and now we have to go back in, lick our wounds, figure out what we can do, and figure out what we can't, because we're figuring out we cannot take five-step drops, and we cannot just let these offensive linemen single-handedly think they can take our, take our defensive line. They just cannot do it.
1: So uh, I talked about how... I think Ron said something and I played it earlier. Ron essentially said we got to evaluate what we're doing. Um and he said we got to evaluate the players too. I took that to mean We can't be as pass-happy, as drop-back-happy. You know, Andy Reid's been a 65-35 guy, and that's where, you know, EB comes from. And Ron's not cut from that cloth, even though he worked for Andy, you know, many years ago. Remember, the last time they played Philadelphia on Monday night last last year, they ran the ball 49 times, and they won the game. So, A, would you recommend running the ball more with Brian Robinson Jr.? B, do you think they will?
2: Uh, no, I'm not one of these components because I play football. I'm not one of these components of we need to have the right ratio. No, we need to do whatever the hell it takes to win that day, Professor. If they defensive the backfield stink, throw it 50 times. If they D line stink, run it down their throat. We do what's needed for the game that we are playing and the opponent that we are playing. I am not one of these ratio guys because we don't get, we don't care. Is it wins or losses? It's, it's easy to go back after watching something and say, well, we maybe should have ran them. No, in the, the midst of the in the belly of the beast, we had to do what we had to do. What I want to know is, do you think we could beat teams having that same identity we had at Philadelphia? No, that was the game plan for that day. And I do think it's a good game plan to keep Jalen Hurts on the sideline by weaponizing the running game. The running game shorts the game up, make it nasty, make it murky, make it muddy. I I understand that, which there would be a good approach to keep Sam Howe out of uh, – harm's way, right. per se, because this defensive line that he was about to face is, I think, way better than the Buffalo Bills defensive line and not get in plenty prop. So, yeah, you're going to have to figure out ways to do something, but I am one of those people do what we need to do to beat that team. So, like I say, moving that pocket, throwing that screen game in there, like use their speed and their aggression against them. weaponize that. I think that's the way we, need, we should go instead of always leaning for numbers. Numbers don't win football games. Players do.
1: Well, since this is the first time you've taken the professor's class, and it's great to have you in class, just so you know, I completely agree with that. I don't care how you move the football. You move the football any way that you move it. The reason I asked you the question is you feared for Sam's health. Which, by yeah. the way, I have suggested, too, they can't continue to have not, six, seven, eight, nine sacks a game uh, because, A, you can't win those games, and, B, you're going to get him killed, which is why I mm-hmm. asked, do you think there may be a philosophical change?
2: Well, when you put it in that terms, that we're going to go protect Sam first, the running game is how you protect him. Like You're right. Like, that's what you have to do. But you need to understand this. The other people on the other sideline get paid, too. So while you're trying to protect him by doing certain things, they call it limiting your play calling. So they're going to play a little bit faster because they know you're going to run the ball, and they're going to force you to throw the ball. And now you lose your edge because now people know what you're going to do. What we what we still got going for us because E B is still technically uh three games old as offensive coordinator, they still haven't found his real DNA and what he likes to do and how he likes to get to those points. So for the next four or five weeks we will still have that advantage and I don't think he's ready to succumb to like being one dimensional to to, to give that element of surprise away. I just don't see him doing that.
1: Um, at the end of the game, down thirty-seven to nothing, fourth and nineteen. Would you have kicked the field goal?
2: I would have kicked it right through the upright. <laughs> I, I, I would. Hey, listen, <laughs> I would have kicked it right. Listen, you never want to get shut out. Uh-huh. I don't care how petty it is. I don't care what anybody else say. I don't care about Vegas worrying about a point spread. No, well, we don't. That won't point spread home. had
1: been covered at that point.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. So yeah. ain't nobody worried about our little three points but us. At least we got on the board. I know they don't do a lot for the crowd out there, but as football players, yes, it, it, it is something. Yes, kick it every time. We should have kicked more field goals earlier. Maybe the game wouldn't have got out of hand. But I, I do not fault there for going for that fourth down down there. To beat a team like this, you have to have that type of edge. I was all for them going for it on fourth down in the red zone. I really did. Play just didn't work.
1: What did you think of the Dolphins yesterday?
2: It, it, I knew it was going to bury our story by, like, a mile of avalanche. I love watching Theon Greyjoy over there in the South <laughs> Throne in Denver. I love after he had this called Nathaniel Hackett, the worst yeah. coach of all time. He is beat so bad that you had to go back to 1952 <laughs> to the Leatherhead before a victory. Miami. I have ne- that's what I do to people in Madden, professor. I do that in pretend games that I put up 70 points. I thought it was unbelievable. I couldn't stop watching it. Every time I looked up, I remember one time I looked down just to eat a chicken wing. I looked up, Miami has cold again. I was like, how is this even possible? But guess what? Theon Greyjoy gets everything that's coming to him, and I can't wait to sit back and watch
1: what happened to them. Well, remember, Theon did end up joining and in, in fighting for the Starks and left his <laughs> sister to defend their idolatry. Island. um <laughs> Because that's still to me, by the way. Fred and I have a lot of Game of Thrones references if you haven't picked up on our conversations over the last few years. When he comes back and he says to Sansa, I want to fight for the North, that's one of yeah. the most emotional scenes in the history of that series. That was great.
2: Really? we went through so many emotional roller coasters with Theon. We went from hating him from the door to feeling sorry for him because he's literally getting a piece of his body cut off to yeah. then cheering for him because now he has a redemption story that he's literally just focused on doing the right thing no matter what. So he was one of those characters like most characters in here. They make you love them. They make you hate them. That's why it was one of those shows where it, it didn't encapsulate an uh, age group. It didn't encapsulate the world because you went on these these voices with Arya, with the Hound, with everybody—where you hated them one moment, loved them the next—and Theon personified love and hate.
1: You know, you just nailed that show, <clears throat> and I've tried to explain that to Tom Tommy, who does this podcast with me. Um, he, you know, he goes, "I'll never watch a show with dragons." And I said, "No, this isn't a show about dragons. It's a show about characters, and and this is a character-heavy show." Uh, it's not a white walker's dragons show. it's one of the great no. character shows of all time and and theon's theon's journey is one of the great journeys of that show and of course he's the one that ends up saying i'm gonna protect bran i'm gonna lure yes. the night king out and it, it's just it's just so brilliant um all right, uh, yeah, Miami, <laughs> Miami's still scoring. Although you did see, you know who holds the record for the most points in a regular season game, right? Was it Washington? Yeah, Washington scored 72 in 1966 against the Giants. Still the most points in a regular season game ever scored. And the combined points is the most ever uh, in an NFL game. And Mike McDaniel had a fourth down with still 30 seconds to go, and he took the knee instead of kicking the field goal for the record.
2: Yeah, they're just so class, I thought I didn't put up 70 on you. And the great way about it, I remember watching that game because Doc was out there playing in like his fifth year in a game that they
1: put up 72. So that was one of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, 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 Doc was already retired. He was broadcasting the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, this was great as always. Um, let's try to do it again next week. Ho- hopefully, after a much better and more competitive game, I bet it will be. I would be surprised oh, yeah. if next week it, isn't. It,
2: it, it will. But by the end of the night, I felt a lot better watching Miami do what they did, and watching those, you know, the Dallas Cowboys just get beat by the Cardinals. All oh, that just felt so good. I guess that Cardinal win does look a lot better now. Well, They're you- not. They, they, they didn't get the memo that they're supposed to be tanking, not the
1: players. You know, the truth is they've had the lead going into the fourth quarter of all three games. They could easily be 3-0. and Easily. Yeah. and, and, and that, Mm-hmm. I was going to say, the, I was mocking them and Josh Dobbs in particular because I've watched Josh Dobbs quarterback a bunch of games, you know, in the NFL, including last year when he was trying to get Tennessee in. And I said, he's a backup and maybe a third stringer. He's played really well, and you know, they do have James Conner's a good back in Rondell Moore and Hollywood yeah. Brown. They actually have some players on that team. But, man, Dallas. And, I mean, you...
2: and, and, and if, if we don't know nothing else, we know that Zaryl White, that linebacker, he is oh, hey, yeah. listen, he's on a mission, all right? And, and what they did, I, I really do like what they did because they actually undressed the Dallas Cowboys. They showed the rest of the league, don't come in here trying to pass the ball against these dudes. They're too fast. Run it right at them. Run it right at Michael Parsons. Run it right at Lawrence because he's no good against the run. Run it right at this fast D-line because they're fast, but they ain't stout.
1: No, you're right. And then on the flip side, you go one for five in the red zone, and they—I mean—I'm just not a Mike McCarthy believer. If he didn't have Aaron Rodgers, they—they're so penalized, they're so undisciplined. I think they had 13 penalties called against them, but they were like 17 or 18 flags against them in the game. Like some of them were declined, but it's one game. It's, the, it's one game.
2: This is what was wrong with the Cowboys, in a nutshell. Overpaid, under-delivered. Everybody on their team, this, this, their, their main pieces, they're paid like they are top five, but they're not top five. Like, Dak is paid top five quarterback. He's not. Uh, Lawrence is paid as a top five rush in. He is not. Tyron Smith ain't played a whole season in a, in a million years. Top paid like a top five. He is not. Like, you just look around his roster, and then you look at C.D. Lamb. I am a truth-teller with C.D. Lamb. I think he's a one-beat. He is not a 1A yet. I'm, he don't have the downfield speed to, to be a 1A. He can't threaten you deep. So he's truly not that. So they got a lot of B-plus players paid at an A-plus level, and then everybody wants them to be A-plus. The only A-plus player they legitimately have is Michael Parsons. All right, Now, now Stephon Gilmore, always greatness. It is personified, but we know he's on the back end of his career.
1: Right. Yeah, he's 33, 34, whatever he is. I agree with you on C.D. Lamb. The other thing too, and I said this to one of my my cowboy friends um, uh, earlier today. C.D. Lamb's got terrible body language. He just always looks upset and disappointed, yes. and looks like he's moody. on the verge of tears all the just time. Moody,
2: a moody diva. Uh, we call it needy fish. <laughs> That's what he is. Like Wait, you day, what you call it? What you call it? What a needy fish? All right? And nothing like having a needy fish that you got to feed all the time. A Look needed out.
1: fish, yeah. yeah.
2: That's what deals that's what with him. And that's why I say. Like, you know, some guys, I've been in the NFL, especially on offense, could think they're more talented than they are. But I promise you, if you had to really break it down on how to stop C.D. Lamb, it, it, it's not hard as, the, as some other number ones in this league. It, it's just not that.
1: Look, they're in I've talked about this a million times. They're in that group of like 27 to 28 teams that they could go 10 and 7, they could go 7 and 10. I mean, I know they won more games than that last year, but if mm-hmm. you don't if you don't have the truly elite quarterback in this league, Every single week, it's a week-to-week league, you're vulnerable to getting beat. Look at yesterday, okay? Yesterday, double-digit favorite, Cowboys go down in Arizona. The Ravens, a near double-digit favorite, lose at home to the Colts. Jacksonville, near double-digit favorite, they get blown out. By Houston. By the mm-hmm. way, he looks good so yep. far, C.J. Stroud.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, C.J. Stroud does look like a pro quarterback. Yes, he does. I mean, Remind me of Randall Cunningham on the way he
1: delivers the ball. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a windup. Yeah, yeah, you Randall. Randall has yeah, that windup. I know. Up. You're right. Um, you know, but if you don't have Mahomes, if you don't have Allen, if you don't have Burrow healthy, I mean, every week, flip a coin. The league is crazy, yep. especially this yeah, time did, of year. And that's what
2: makes it so great. It's a balance and a, a small imbalance. And that's what makes it so great. And what we do love is in that small imbalance, the Kings can get knocked off their throne any Sunday.
1: Yep. Every every Sunday is is uh, uh, a yeah. it's – the,
2: it's, the it's the true Game of Thrones. It's the true Game of Thrones, and it's way more Targaryen than it is anybody else. <laughs>
1: the thing that the, the thing that you don't like to see though okay just to bring it back one final time to what happened yesterday i know yeah. that teams take a beating every once in a while but in the development of this young quarterback and by the way uh, a, a new offensive coordinator and a new offense that was ugly I, I did not think actually a day like yesterday was possible. I knew it was going to be a roller coaster ride. I thought they were going to have yep. some bad days. And by the way, they survived a very iffy day in the opener against Arizona. But yesterday, you got to avoid that again because if you see that another one to two times in the next four to five weeks, Jacoby Brissett's going to be the quarterback.
2: No, Jacoby Bissett is going to be the backup. Like, if you ain't all in on seeing what Sam Howell is, ain't no second guessing. I know what Jacoby Bissett is. I know what he is. He's a backup quarterback in this league, and we always do that. We romanticize and make the backup quarterback the most popular guy on the team because he ain't never needed until he needed. thing about it is, if you're going to have a real chance to evaluate and see, do you need to be getting in this draft and drafting a Shadir Sanders? I need to be drafting a a day from like If you need to get in the draft, you need to find that out this year, and you ain't going to find that out with Jacoby Brissett trying to win you one or two games and knocking you out of draft. No, no, no. Do what you have to do to see who Sam Howell is, and yes, it's gonna, we got to take the good the bad and the ugly right now. This is what it is. Until he shows us who he is, we're going to have to take some of these games to the chin and understand, yes, we're going to lose some games, and most of them when we do lose, it's going to be his fault. Like It, it, it is.
1: Okay, but and I hear you, uh, Jacoby Brissett. We know what he is. I totally agree with you on that. But here's my question to you, okay? Because I we don't know this from afar. Let's just say you were out there every day and you were on the staff, and it became mm-hmm. very apparent to you and everybody else. Nice kid can do a couple of things, but this is not the answer long term. Mm-hmm. And yep. you got fifty-two other guys, and by the way, because of your defense and because you got some playmakers, you're actually yep. in the playoff race. If you can just be better at that position, what would you do?
2: Uh, I don't think uh, putting Jacob Ruppert in there is making me better. Uh, okay. Uh, I would say I would say Sam Howell. I'm getting in the backseat of your Uber. Drive us to hell so I can get Caleb <laughs> Williams or whoever. Yeah, but you're else not going to you're I not going to
1: lose enough games for that. You're too good. Uh, uh, well, you're too yeah, good on defense. Two, you've already already won two. If, you've won two games on defense here already. If,
2: Guess what? He had a lot to do with winning that game. You're and, right. and, uh, He did in Denver too. So, so the thing about it is, if you're going to experiment, let's 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 go from the start to the end of the experiment, so we got uh, full closure without anything. Uh, worried like we have to ride this out with Sam this year. And I know it's other variables. If you coach a variable, you are trying to keep a job. If you you know like so, it's other variables involved. And you're right. Does that? Decision make him make the Jacoby said decision. I just don't see it happening because I just think Sam is 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 really damn talented. I do and too. I, I think, think he's got some skill. And, yeah, yeah. and I just think he's gonna play his way out of it. I just I've seen this
1: before. Okay. Uh last question for Fred Smoot, even though I said like ten minutes ago th- Yeah, you did. Th- thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Last question. So upon further review a week later, if the Chargers mm-hmm. called you and offered Justin <laughs> Herbert straight up for Sam Howell, yes or no? <laughs> oh. All right, bye. Okay. You All right, but have...
2: you're you right. You're right. Uh, I take her. You're you right. You're you right. Okay. All right. No, I was trying to be a company man last week. You wouldn't let me be a superhero. <laughs> All
1: right. See you. That was fun as always. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thanks. Fred Smoot, everybody. Uh, Don't forget to rate us and review us, especially on Spotify and Apple. Five stars if you see uh, fit to do so. And a quick one-to-two-sentence review is always helpful. And try to read some of these reviews certainly uh, the rest of the week. Um, But it's really helpful if you write a review, give us five stars, and also follow us and subscribe to the podcast. Following and subscribing is important. Love uh, talking to Fred. All right, we are too long today, so I'm not going to go around the NFL. I know many of you wanted me to talk about Kirk. He blew it. Uh, He blew it at the end of that regulation. Kevin O'Connell blew it, but he's the quarterback on the field, and they should have gotten up there and ran a play quickly or spiked it, and it was another one of those moments, and he's had a couple of those during his career where you're just like, dude, you can't be so process-oriented that, you know, the clock's winding down and you're lessening your chances to win the game. With that said, TJ Hawkinson should have caught that ball and they would have won the game. Um, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, he's been brilliant this year. Their defense, once again, is horrible. Um, and they're 0-3 and uh, and it looks like, you know, we'll have a lot of discussion towards the trade deadline about whether or not Kirk gets traded to the Jets or to somebody else that, you know, needs a quarterback. Um, I don't, I'm not suggesting that it would be here, uh, by the trade deadline. I am going to be patient here. Uh, I've seen enough this year to know that it makes sense to continue to put him out there and see what we got and figure it out at some point down the road. Uh, but, uh, an incredible NFL day. We're just not going to get to it now. And good win for the Terps on Saturday. The college football was insane, um... Hopefully I have time at some point this week uh, to get to that. Maybe with Cooley on Wednesday um, we'll talk about some of the college football uh, games Uh, because I know that he is actually, as he's told us, uh, watching some of that as much as he is uh, the NFL. Uh, All right, that's it. Back tomorrow with Tommy.